Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Debbie Dashinger, who is a visibility expert, but even more than that, she has done so many amazing things. She's an award-winning actress and singer, popular media guest and speaker. I, I can't even begin to list all of the amazing things that she's done. For her achievements, she's been in several halls of fame and voices of women worldwide. Instead of spending our whole podcast going through the list of amazing things she's doing, let me introduce you to her. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you, Heidi. So great to be here with you. Debbie, we met at the New Media Summit, Steve Olsher's great event, uh, because you have a podcast. You were one of the icons there. Can you share a little bit about sort of your journey to podcasting and sort of what brought you to sharing your story in that medium? Yeah, true story. It is true. We met at the New Media Summit. I was an icon of influence. It's a great honor. And how I got started in podcasting was actually through radio. And even radio was a great surprise. So as you said earlier, I was an actress and a singer. That was my identity for my entire life. And when something started to shift inside of me in a year where I had booked more movies, theater, you name it, jobs, something was changing in me. And I got to a point where I actually had to stop and honor it and say, I'm not clear that this is still for me. And this is actually unthinkable because this is all I've ever wanted to do or have done my entire life. But I was willing to honor this inquiry that was happening just organically inside of me. And because of the inquiry, I just started doing things. I would take Toastmasters. I created a talk that I delivered. I started to do jewelry. And so my creativity was really pouring out of me. And at one point, I thought, well, radio sounds great. I'm doing a ton of voiceover work. I'd like to promote more my voice. And I saw a little ad for radio. And this is before there were even podcasts. And I went to do radio. And what I found was home. I found this amalgam between my being an actress, my being someone who loves motivation and inspiration, my being someone who loves to learn and enjoys a great masterclass and conversation. And so radio was my thing and it became syndicated. And then of course, when podcasts open, which is phenomenal and the growth is phenomenal, I also went that way too. So as technology changed and changes, I continue to do so. I love that. And that really speaks so well to sort of how it changes different industries, but we're able to express ourselves and find our purpose as the technology changes and our industries change. And it seems like you've done that beautifully and fluidly. I'm sure it's had its ups and downs in the process of the journey, but it's exciting to see how far you've come and what you're accomplishing you did obviously a lot of traditional work first with being, you know, so probably on stage as well as on film. Do you find that you present yourself differently with technology or do you feel that you're still expressing the same Debbie? Hmm. I think it's a brand new Debbie. <laughs> I think that podcasting in a way 
allows me and certainly all the other hosts that people hear, I think we get a bit of a persona, but we also have a choice. Are you going to be the smart one? Are you going to be the funny, whimsical one? Are you going to be the one who has uh, tight comments? I find that I do a lot of transparency and I really let my personality out. So it was really different than stage where I was given a script to become somebody else. And so for me in podcasting, I think it just organically was a choice of really excited engagement conversation, really letting my people know at the beginning of every show what's happening with me, what's going on in my life, and being my quirky self, which is sometimes funny or blonde. And I own that and I run with it. And then, of course, you know, I have my own brand of wisdom that I like to share now and then. So I think it's a really nice mixture, really nice buffet that gets offered. But definitely, this is me. Like people really get to experience me. That must feel so great to be able to actually augment sort of the you that you share with the world rather than feeling like it's scripted. Because I mean, I've met you, you're wonderful, you're very warm. And yet you're, you know, you're brilliant. It's not just like, oh, this warm, nice person. It's like, you've got so much wisdom to share. And you have all this experience about sort of how to grow your visibility in the world. And so it's really uh, quite fascinating. You know, I'm sort of new to the podcasting space. And so it's been a fascinating journey to watch icons like yourself and learn from them. Thank you. You're welcome. What would you say was your biggest challenge in terms of that shift from being sort of scripted to self? Hmm. Well, it's a great question because what I do out in the world is visibility. So the entirety of my career course, every piece of it actually became the perfect soup of what I deliver now. So I am the talent, but I also teach talent. I teach people how to interview. I'm a book writing coach. I've got a company that takes books to international bestseller, all under the umbrella of visibility, because in my estimation, if people are stalled out, if they need to get ahead, use visibility, use exposure, PR. It's awesome. It's often free, and it's there for you. But learn how to do it before you get on so those opportunities really count and stick. I take everything I did and everything I do today, and that's what I work with my clients on. So I must say that the shift going from a script was perfect for when I did scripting, because at that point in my life, I was much more shy than I am now. And I felt my real home was on stage. My real home was in front of a camera or a TV set. And now I feel otherwise. Now I feel that the curtain can come down that I can really show who I am without a lot of filter, without, with a lot more trust. I don't need that script. It was wonderful. And if somebody asked me to do it, I'd do it again in a heartbeat because today I don't need it. There's not that need I had when I was an actress. There would be a lot of joy, I'm sure, and enjoyment. However, coming from where I am, that's the place to be. I love visibility. I think it rocks. Do you, what do you find is the biggest challenge for your clients when you're bringing them in and they need to experience visibility in the digital age? Do you find that the technology is a good thing for them or do they perceive it as a limiter or not necessarily a limiter? I guess the word would be more kind of intimidating. Hmm. Have you found that I would- that's a challenge or not? 
Yes, I think it actually is. Technology is interesting. I'll tell you a little story. So as far as the books go, here's where technology is intimidating. I've had an author by the name of Charles, and he came to me because he said, oh my goodness, I wrote a book and it sat in digital land. It literally sat in print form and nobody bought it. And I had no idea when I was writing a book, 5% of every book is writing. 95% is what happens after. And he said, I didn't know about the after. So I relaunched his book for him to great success and he became an international bestseller. I would say another challenge is there's so many podcasts. There's now a lot of almost cable type television, as well as radio television that people are watching and listening to, plus regular radio. The technology is exponential. So there I find the technology challenge for people is, well, how do I go from where I am, the message I have, the business I want to get out in the world, and how do I get that out there? Where are the shows for me? What is the right procedure? How do I put something together so that somebody answers? Because often those people who have a great message, really, and a great business will knock on the door and it doesn't get answered for really big shows. So there is techniques for that. And I would say the real intimidation or challenge, especially challenge, is to understand you can hire people to do this for you. So it's easy, just like anything else in your business. When you hire team members, you want to get somebody for visibility too. It's so important to what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that, that we kind of forget about. We think, oh, well, you know, I can put it out there. Like you said, with the book, I have three books. And actually, it was quite funny because when I published my first, I went through the whole process of, you know, the, the Kindle publishing and realized, oh, wait a minute, I have my dissertation sitting on the shelf. That's not doing much good there. And I <laughs> can just put a cover on it and, and make it available since I refer to it in my book. In the other book, you know, otherwise no one will ever find it. And I actually just got a client the other day that I'm doing a project for a company in France that has been found my dissertation through my other book. And they're like, this is spot on with the work that we're doing. We need you to hire you as the expert to present our stuff. And had I not actually made that available, it would have sat on my shelf. I love that story. You're a perfect example of what's possible. We never know when we're putting it out there on the airwaves or in print or in Kindle, who's going to read it? Who's going to know about us? And absolutely doing what you did builds a platform. It actually becomes us as the star in our business and the go-to authority or expert. So people know, oh, I need to go to Dr. Heidi for this. I know need to go to somebody else for that. Visibility is that important. So I love your story because France is just the beginning. And if you keep allowing yourself to follow those hunches and keep putting your books out there, and if it's just in Kindle, I recommend you also look at print. Because Oh, I've definitely, you know, yeah, they're in print now too. Yeah. Right. Because it's so cheap. It's so inexpensive on Amazon. It's nothing. And we get royalties every month. It's so worth it. Yeah. No, and, and it's, uh, it's actually kind of a fun process because it forces you to revisit your work and also get it from other people's perspective. I mean, I mean, certainly, you know, in terms of a dissertation, you're not going to get reviews from people other than the critique from your professors. 
<laughs> Whereas you put it out there and people actually read it and tell you whether they love it or not. That's actually quite gratifying when you hear how your work is, is influencing the world. You know, it gives back as well. Yeah. So, I've written three books. And if I may say, just to riff off of what you're sharing there, I heard from somebody who lives in Barcelona who said, I loved your book and I created a mastermind group. And we all bought your book and we all meet and we go through the chapters. My uh, first books were about creating dreams, dare to dream, wisdom to success. And so they were using my books to read out loud and start to write down what their dreams were, how they were going to create it per the methods that I shared, and then come back and gather and talk about where their dreams were, support each other, and actually start to create these things. I was just blown away by what my book its life force was creating out in the world. That was a great surprise to me. It was very unexpected. I love that. And to that point, sort of the, the power of technology to be able to reach that market, because 20 years ago, had you launched a book, the only way to get it would be in a bookstore via print. That's right. And uh, certainly reaching international markets, then you'd have to have someone another publisher that's translating it, that's making it available in different markets. Mm -hmm. So it's really uh, quite amazing. And you mentioned earlier, actually, that you're working on an anthology book. Can you tell me a little about what that project is? Super, super exciting. I am doing an anthology book. I'm heading it up because what I started to learn out there is that there are certain people who say, I'd really like to write, but the idea of taking on an entire book is overwhelming to me. But if I could put my toe in the water, that would feel great. So for first-time authors to write a chapter, phenomenal. They get a lot of confidence. They get a lot of experience about the process. Then there are people who have written quite a bit, and they're ready to rock and roll. They're, I just want to build up my platform. I myself, Heidi, have done chapters and 12 anthologies alongside my three books. So it's a really viable way to keep exponentializing what you put out into the world. And why anthologies are great is, is it's about a theme. So everybody's writing to a theme. This particular one is called I Am Still Here, Turning Trials into Transformation. So it's going to be a very inspirational book. And what I love about it, because I believe in overgiving. And I believe in people having a really great experience. I like people to feel that they're held and served and that they can walk away from an experience with me and say, that was amazing. I'm so glad I did it. So I've put all sorts of things in there to really help the authors. The book will be professionally edited. We'll have two great covers that they can choose from, all the authors. I'm going to have strategy calls. It's going to go to bestseller. I'm going to do the launch myself with my team, global press release, book video trailer, and on and on, so that this is a really sumptuous experience. So writing is great. And I'm also going to take them on a bit of a journey and teach them writing skills. So for anyone who wants to use it for their chapter, done. They've got those skills. For anybody who decides after the anthology, they want to keep going. Okay, I've got a book in me. I'm ready to rock and roll. They will now have writing skills and understand literally how to lay out a book and write it. I love that. When I launched mine, I did it through another program. It was a really exciting process to do the launch, but the writing piece was not included. 
And I think that was sort of where we were a little bit left flat. And of course, we could have hired someone from there. There were other mentors and whatnot. But that, I think, was one of the biggest challenges coming out. It was like, okay, we've pre-launched it. And now what do I do? You know, now I have to Mm. put together the structure. Now I have to actually deliver. And I have a three-month deadline before this goes live. And it all came out fine in the end. But I think we sort of don't think about what it takes just to get started with writing. So I'm curious if you have techniques for when you have writer's block or just to get yourself started in a writing mood. Ha. Huh. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, if anyone's listening and they say, I would like to be part of that anthology, I'm just going to give a quick URL. You can go to debbyd.net slash anthology. And it's spelled D-E-B-B-I-D dot net slash anthology. Love to hear from you. We're definitely taking applications. As far as getting through a writer's block, here's a great story. (laughs) So let me tell you a story of when I had a writer's block. I was writing, this is a couple of decades ago, and I was writing a story about a very serious situation uh, about the passing of someone. And so it was very serious, but what was pouring out of me was whimsical. It was very light and it was full of great descriptions. I knew I was on fire and I was typing and typing and typing and typing and just thrilled that it was coming through me like that. Well, at the time I was dating, I was doing online dating and there was somebody in particular who I had been dating and I really liked. And as I'm typing and on fire, my cell phone starts to ring and I look down and I see that it's him. It's the guy I like. And it's like, should I keep typing or should I answer the cell phone? Should I keep typing or should I talk to the guy? And I had that feeling. I had that instinct like, Ooh, don't give it up right now. But I did. I picked up the phone. I talked to the guy I was dating. And an hour later, I went back to the computer and I'm telling you, my mojo was gone. Oh, I <laughs> that hurts. It was very painful. Like for people who are writers, for people who are authors, if you've got a flow or something, it's really important, first of all, to honor it. Because as you know, anytime there's resistance in your life, if you try to plow through it, resistance is going to push back. So don't even engage in a power struggle with a block. First of all, get up get up and move. I recommend exercise. I recommend getting out in nature, shifting things up. I recommend a cold shower. It's There are actual statistics, scientific statistics saying that if an author takes a cold shower and comes back a bit later, everything's better. You need to do something else, maybe even meditate to really calm your system down. There's so many beautiful healing modalities out there, and I'm sure most people have a daily practice. So that might be a great time to engage in that. Just disconnect and allow something else to flow through you and then go back. And if it still persists, my recommendation is let it go for today. You did your best. Just be kind to yourself. And then tomorrow, get back up on the computer. I was going to say on the horse, but really (laughs) just start typing again, you know, or if you're writing longhand, just let it flow and trust. And what's really great if you take that respite and then come back, whether it's that day or the next day, reread what you have written. 
at least go back over the previous page or chapter and reread it, it gears up your mind and suddenly you're in the flow. So when you get to the last word there, you're ready to go. You've got it. I love that. And I think just that little tip of like rereading and getting yourself back into the context of it, allowing yourself rest and then coming back to it. Don't sort of go off on another tangent, but allow yourself to continue the flow. That's a really powerful tip that I will use in my next book. Thank you. (laughs) So we're going to take a really quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Oscar Wellness. When pain stops, life begins. Oscar Pulse mimics the body's own recovery processes to relieve pain, muscle stiffness, and inflammation using optimized pulsed electromagnetic field technology, PEMF, to encourage recovery at a cellular level so you can get back to life. And I got to tell you, this thing works so well, my husband and I are fighting over it. So I highly recommend you take a moment and try it out. They have all kinds of options for checking it out, and they've even given us an opportunity to share a discount with you, $55, by using the 2BU code on the Oscar Wellness site. You can check out the show notes to get more details. And we're back. And Debbie, I really enjoy this conversation about books, but it's making me think a lot about, we were just talking about the need for rest and the need to get yourself back into context. What do you use or do you use any technologies to remind yourself to for self-care and rest and also to bring yourself back into context when you need it? I have reminders that come up on my phone every day at noon that say mindfulness. Ah, okay. I also write a to-do list every day. Actually, the night before, to be honest, because if I didn't, I would wake up and just be brainless. <laughs> I just don't hold that information. So I literally have to write 9.30, working out, 10 a.m., talk to Heidi, and have my whole day mapped out. I always add time in there to do some really nice self-care, self-nurturing things. And something that I'm really engaged in right now is EFT or emotional freedom technique. I found out about it many years ago and have done it on and off when there's been a facilitator. But recently, I just felt a real breakthrough with that work. And EFT is about tapping. You're basically doing your meridian points and you're getting out any negativity and you're bringing in really what you prefer. And it's uh, it can be very fun and it's very light, super easy. So I'm sure I look like a crazy woman, but every day when I walk from my house to the gym where I work out, I take these back streets and I'm listening on my phone because I've got some EFT words all laid out. And I tap as I walk. So I'm telling you, by the time I get to the gym, I am a good mental, emotional, spiritual shape. And then I tap all the way back for my workout. And what happens is I'm set for the day. I'm really good. And then, of course, I do see that mindfulness pop up. And then I just stop. And there's always some kind of meditation practice that I engage in. And there are things I want to add. I've been actually really mindful about very strong intentions for myself. And I want to start adding on a daily basis some practices around health, 
around wealth, around relationships, key subjects. And so that I set those up at the very beginning of every day, I find when I say those things clearly out loud that I want my day to be, it truly is magic how it unfolds. I can let it go and the day will take the shape based on an intention. And I've had great days that way. It's such a gift, people who are really able to harness the the power of manifesting. I still haven't quite gotten there yet, but I'm trying. I think just even manifesting a positive day sometimes takes a little bit of effort. (laughs) You know, here's something very interesting about manifesting. And I hope this helps you and maybe any of your listeners. I also felt the same way for a long time. I'd see other people and boy, you know, they get up on stage and they'd speak and they they got $100,000 worth of people who invested in their programs. And I'd see things and think, wow, I really, I guess I have other gifts. I'm not a manifester quite like that. But my best friend over the years has pointed out to me over and over again that for whatever reason, when it comes to healers, when it comes to doctors, when it comes to medical things, that whole arena, for whatever reason, programs, workshops, people literally walk up to me and offer them for free. I don't even ask. They offer for free. And so I probably have a million dollars thus far in offerings that I've attended and experienced. And as she kept saying that to me, I realized energy is energy. Who am I fooling? Mm. The truth is I am a manifester. So if I can do that in this realm with complete ease and detachment, obviously it can bleed over into every area of my life if I allow it. So I'm totally get, (laughs) I'm really out of the way. And for every, very important category in my life. And so now I don't say that anymore. Oh, I just manifest here as though it's limited. I say, I acknowledge like, who am I kidding? I'm a big manifester. I manifest big dreams and big things that I really desire and even unexpected ones. I love that. I'm going to have to start thinking about it that way. Maybe it's just a mindset thing. Now I'm sitting here looking at your profile as we're talking and One of the lines says, she's an expert in living a daring life. Can you tell us a little bit about something super daring that you've done that really has made your life that much more purposeful and wonderful? Sure. And I could do travel experiences, relationship experiences, but I am going to choose the Los Angeles Marathon. That was really daring for me. I couldn't even conceive 26.2 miles, but something inside of me got lit every time I thought about it. And it seemed so impossible. And those are the greatest dreams, of course. So I had to make a bunch of phone calls, find out how does one even achieve something that big. I was very well directed to get some coaching. I was directed that I can meet up with a group every Saturday. And both of those groups ended up taking great care of me, what to eat, what to put on my feet, what to wear, weather, how much to train. They literally gave me schedules that I'd follow every week. It was phenomenal. And so I did it. I showed up for eight months to train and I dared to try to create that dream. And I succeeded. My first year, I succeeded. And the next year, I joined again. 
a girlfriend of mine who'd done it with me the first year said, please, please, let's do it again. We started training again and she dropped out. Mm. And I thought, what am I going to dare to do now? I feel like I lost my buddy. There's no one to talk to. (laughs) Training's very far. And I had to make a decision. And for me, creating big impossible goals feels pretty exciting. So I said, well, go big or go home. You've already done the marathon, wah, wah. (laughs) What's the next piece you're going to create? And I thought, oh, I'm going to try to beat my time. So I decided I was going to slice 30 minutes off my finish time, which is, yeah, it's impossible, but I liked a big goal. So I trained. I had a great new partner who I considered to be a robot. She didn't miss a beat, which was so good for me. And, and I did a lot of visualization two weeks before about going through the finish line and seeing the clock and all of that. And come the actual day of the race, everything's going great. Mile 18, my partner, who's a robot, suddenly says to me, I'm hurting. I can't keep up. I'm going to finish this, but go ahead. And for some reason, Heidi, always at the end of a marathon, I get stronger. It Mm. doesn't make sense because that's when everyone's breaking down. But something internally, physically just kicks in with a major second wind. And so... With her blessing, I left and I kept going and going and going. And then I thought, gee, I'm going to be so early. I'm probably going to meet 20 minutes off of my time. I think I'm going to do, well, 15, 20 minutes. And I wish somebody knew and would see me on the finish line. Kept going and going. I'm rounding the last corner and I hear someone screaming my name. And, And somehow my mom had just decided to get there early, had intuited. And for her to see that, like, ah, everything for her to witness that moment. And I turned the corner, there's the finish line. And I looked up just like I had in my visualizations. And I cut one hour off of my finish time. Wow. I went through that finish and everybody came, all the volunteers to take the chip off of my shoe. I was just crying tears of joy. I feel like, wow, like if I could dare to do that and accomplish that, what else is possible? What else could I try to achieve and think is impossible, but is definitely doable? So that really informed a lot of my life thereafter. Like stop thinking so small. Like if you have that fire in your belly, go do it. What a great story. And it's funny, sort of the technologist in me is going, and you have a chip that like verifies it. So you're like, oh, it wasn't just in my mind. Like technology actually was there to support you and say, you are a rock star. Like that yeah. is just so and they cool. they take a picture. As soon as you're going to the finish line, there's a picture. The time is on the bottom. They also have a computer that does a readout and sends that to you through the mail. So it's verified several ways, definitely. Oh, that's uh, such an amazing story. And it's not on your bio. I didn't know you ran a marathon twice. I've never run one, but that's okay. (laughs) There's other things that I've done and that's okay. But um, I think it's awesome. And I love the way you describe that it's that last bit that gives you more energy. And I think maybe that's part of what it gives you such power when you're working with clients is taking that last extra 
run because like I was saying with my book, it's like you can do all these different things and you can launch it and you can write it, but just because it's done, it's not really done. You still need to get it out there and you're feeling tired and sort of done and delivered when you really need to just continue that marathon to get it out to the world. And so that's really, yeah. Yeah. So you have to do the book. You have to know there's marketing after the book and fully align yourself that that's the experience. And also congruent with that is how are you going to use visibility? I would say, look at blogging. I would say, look at being interviewed on as many big podcasts like yours, if they fit with your subject or others, radio shows. If you have someone who can get you on television, do that. There are so many ways to get yourself out there. It increases awareness of your book, sales of your book, and you as the go-to expert. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And for those of you out there listening, I want to just make sure that you can find Debbie if you're interested in working with her. How can people work with you? Obviously, they can do the bestseller thing. Can you describe a little bit what it's like to work with you and how they can find you? Yes, you can find me at my name. It's spelled differently. It's D-E-B-B-I, no E, D-E-B-B-I. And the last name is D-A-C-H. I-N-G-E-R. So debbiedashinger.com. And as far as working with me, I'll also give out my email, happy to bestseller at debbiedashinger.com. And feel free to write me. And what they can expect, what I do with clients is the first thing I start out with is what is not in place that you want to be there? What's not happening in your business that would it happen would change your business and exponentialize what you're doing out in the world and who you can reach. And I love when they tell me because everyone's so different and that's where the strategy starts. So I create an action plan for me and my team and for my client so we all achieve it. And I fully believe that creating a bestseller is like riding a wave if you're a surfer and you get to the crescendo of that wave. And as opposed to going back down, once the waves occurred, I believe it's this viral energy that's been created. A lot of people now know about you, your books out there, you're an expert. Everybody's watching you being interviewed a lot. It's exciting time, a champagne time. And that is actually the time to keep riding the wave. So we have after strategy too. What's next for you so that you keep using what's just been created and get even bigger and create so much more ease with your message and your business. I love it. And it sounds like you're just the right coach to help them with staying on the wave until the end, riding it all the way to the beach, not just uh, hopping off and saying, okay, I'm done now. (laughs) Because maybe the best part of the ride is actually on the other end. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such an honor to have you with us. And I look forward to continuing to follow your work and hopefully catching up with you at another one of our wonderful podcaster events. They're super fun. And do you have any last quick words of wisdom for our evolving digital selfers? I guess I mostly want to say thank you to you, Heidi, for inviting me on, for introducing me to your listeners and how much I love your show because I listen to your show as well and you do a great job. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Coming from you, that means a lot. So thank you so much for joining us today. And for those of you who are not already subscribed, take a moment to do that so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you rate and review, it helps us just get out there to the world. It's that visibility thing, and we wouldn't want anybody else to miss these great stories. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next week, bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm.